Silent scan. Silent scan. Bombs and bits. You can't control us. Bombs and bits. A frightening dystopia. Bombs and bits. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Open your eyes. Bombs and bits. An alternate reality. We begin as wanderers, and we are wanderers still. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Bombs and Bands with John, Mark, and the Misses. I'm John, and with me, as always, is Mark. Hello. And the Misses. Howdy, hi. We'll cover three stories on this week's episode. And I will say, it's a gloomy, gloomy set of choices for tonight's episode. How gloomy is it? We try and lead with the most optimistic story, and mine's going first. And I'm going to cover five obscure locations to find supplies after a societal collapse. That's the most optimistic and happy story of tonight's uh, triad. And it's almost Fallout themed, which is my favorite. So there you have it. I disagree. I think my story, if, you know, if it works out, has a happy ending. It could be because, uh, well, I, I won't spoil a couple of jokes. I, but yes, uh, terminating <laughs> terrorists is a happy thought because that's our third story. Mark will cover from American Cop, Terminating Terrorists, The Headshot Triad. But in the middle, the missus will handle street fighting mistakes. And okay, when's the last time you were in a street fight? Fourth grade. I beat up a boy. So <laughs> Reagan was president. <coughs> yes, Reagan was president. You have some really... Uh, I have street cred. You have street cred. <laughs> Hey, if we get into it over a seesaw, though, I'm winning that fight. I think that Bring it. I think that might be the case. Our sponsor tonight is. Well, I'm completely at a loss. We had the Canadians last week. It was the Canadian Tourism Board last week, which was one of my favorite tour, uh, sponsors we've had yet. Uh, it's probably not going to be them this week because I heard that Justin has uh, some tour dates he has to go on with his boy band. That that is true. Nope. Tonight it will be our sponsor, Mask Be Gone, oh. from the makers of Slap Chop. <laughs> okay that's the first time you ever really got me on the podcast that was a genuine laugh thank you thank you <laughs> and we are have a really special treat tonight we have a cooking show Ooh, i hope we get samples in the kitchen with nancy pelosi oh oh my it could ice be ice cream yes yeah expensive <laughs> ice cream but remember, she's probably not bringing in to get share, though. Well, speaking of share, if you're listening to our podcast, you should like, subscribe, and share it. Because if you do those things, then it makes us feel all warm and fuzzy. Well, it does that. It does that, and it gives uh, uh, YouTube a. It will make them feel slightly worse when they finally ban our podcast. So, and it encourages you to make more terrible puns. It does. And speaking of terrible puns, I think we're going to start off with uh, my story, which is five. <clears throat> okay. I think we'll start off with my story, which is five. Of... You need to do your warm ups first. Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. <laughs> candelabra, candelabra. Good. Red, le yellow. See, now I can't say it. Red, red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. <laughs> And stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> so there are five obscure locations to find supplies after a societal collapse 
from readyman.com. Okay, you know it's going to be a rough episode when this is, again, the happiest story. I'm just going to go straight to uh, the five locations where the author thinks you might not be looking for supplies. And the first is storage facilities. I tend to think that most things that are guarded by a Walmart padlock could include just older underwear and maybe some table lamps from the Eisenhower era, but... But you need underwear in the apocalypse. Eisenhower underwear? Are they underwear that Eisenhower wore or with pictures of Eisenhower? Because you're unclear. Ooh, pictures of... Well, anyway, the second is warehouses. The author seems to think that those will be left untouched on the first wave of looting. Honestly, it's my number two. Warehouses will be number two after the National Guard armory. National Guard armory first. Wait, I'm now on another list, aren't I? I think you're already on the list. (laughs) The third, shipping centers like FedEx, UPS, or Rats by Mail. I know that's one, a little less common one, but I've got another name for the post office. (laughs) Well, well, you know, you've got got to find that all important soccer ball that you can talk to. Wilson! I'm here right now, Lieutenant Dan. Now, now here, the author is talking. Now, this is actually something I really didn't think about. And we do have several of those little shipping centers in our fair community. And I expect to find all sorts of water bottles and, again, more underwear over there. So I think it'll be a veritable treasure trove of useless Chotskys. <laughs> Fourth, public or private schools. And I'm thinking that the author thinks they're out of session. I'm hoping that's the case. But there might be food there if you are in a, a, uh, during a school year. That, you know, certainly at our local schools, there would be food there. Lockers, middle school and high school, probably find food there. And also no small amount of weed. And all the yellow number two pencils you could eat. Applesauce. Apples and the pink stuff they throw in vomit. And milk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, that stuff smelled so bad. It's worse than the vomit. Well, here's the reason I, I would want to avoid schools. I would not want to spend the rest of the apocalypse in detention. And fifth, <laughs> obscure pawn shops and retail stores. You know, I think the end of the world, I think rubbish sale from people who have who have less money than us. To be fair, I recently discovered a, a place here in Boise that's called the Antiques Mall and going through there. And they actually have like a, a lot of old gardening and farm equipment that could come in useful. And that's true. And fortunately, around here, that's known as everyone's garage because I think we're somewhere in the 1950s don't you and the the secondhand stores around here are weird because there's a bunch of them i mean we don't live in a very big community there's what seven eight thousand people here where we live and we have like 20 secondhand stores in town and they all have the same stuff it's like not really good collectible toys from when you were a kid in the 70s and 80s you mean like chock full of lead no i mean like the talking mickey mouse that i had where you pull the string and he goes you know and say something and bobby's bag of glass yeah yeah well it just makes me think that they're all just fronts for meth and they might be so meth money laundering that's important big part of the economy in the end i think it's not a great list but he tried any other suggestions me i think grain silos around here there's typically enough grain and silos to feed the entire country for years and that's just one silo and if you loot a silo remember this you're farmed and dangerous (laughs) farm <laughs> <sighs> okay next well i mean obviously the hospitals i think would be a, a good source for 
various supplies. I mean, part of the problem I have with the list is he's not really clear on exactly, you know, why, why you're going to these particular things. I mean, are you looking for food? Are you looking for other supplies? I would have liked to have seen a list that concentrated on different types of supplies and where to get them. Well, that's a great idea. That is a good one. Well, you know, if you're looking for medicine and stuff, hospitals, you would immediately think first and pharmacies, uh, nursing homes, nursing homes. Yep. And they have food and lots of applesauce. Yeah. <laughs> Back yeah, to lots apple of applesauce. <laughs> hey, it'll get you through the apocalypse. Uh, well, you know, and you mentioned pharmacies, but I don't think about drugs when I think about pharmacies. I think about receipts that are 75 feet long. Well, you can wear them as a scarf. Ooh, accessories. Yes. <laughs> you want to know what my favorite thing was about this story, though? It had really nothing to do with the story. It was the comments at the end of the story. I did not read those. And the one guy who was in there, I think there were like eight total comments, and he was half the comments looking for a prepper's dating site because that man is desperate for a date. So we can say <laughs> I am not making that up. That's a legit thing. You can go to the website, you know, in the in the uh, description and, and enjoy his comments. And, and I'm gonna to apologize to everyone listening right now. You don't have to be lonely at preppersonly.com. Don't make fun of them. They may be our sponsor next week. Ooh. <laughs> okay. And before we leave this topic, I'm going to, I'm going to throw out one little plug. Joe, nobody has written several books on firearms and prepping. And one of them is without rule of law. And that book is actually on how to go about scavenging. So there it is. Excellent. Well, we have good news. It's time for our sponsor mass beyond and let's turn it over to the host. But you're the host. Oh, the commercial host. Oh, you mean the announcer? The okay. spokesperson. Yes. All celebrity voices are impersonated. Yes. Billy Hayes here from Mass Be Gone. You might remember products such as Sham Cow, the Dairy-Free Butter, Slap Cop, our Police Revenge Service, OxyCream, the combination toilet cleaner and dessert topping, and Kaboom Boom, the world's most effective personal explosive device. Ever had a hard time putting on your COVID-19 mask? Can't find your ears? Does your nose keep growing uncontrollably? Do you often end up with your mask on your forehead? We have a solution. Mask Be Gone. Don't confuse Mask Be Gone with cheaper products like Mask No More Johnny Mask Badger. Mask Be Gone is the real deal. Mask Be Gone is crafted using high-tech materials that NASA might have briefly considered when planning to go to the moon. But you don't need to be a rocket scientist to use Mask Be Gone. Mask Be Gone consists of three simple parts. A full helmet, a full excursion suit rated for vacuum use, a simple environmental control system that keeps you from boiling in the hot sun and keeps you from freezing in the shade, all while providing dozens of minutes of breathable air before you must return Turn to your coronavirus excursion pod, which you get for free. Available now with this television offer for only $16,999,999.99. Plus, order one Mask Be Gone with your complimentary Corona excursion pod and get a free quart of OxyCream. Some assembly required and shipping and handling is $5.99. This product has not been evaluated by the EPA, FDA, or the ATF. Wow, that sounds great. It sounds like a lot more of the plastic things that I really want to buy when I see them on TV. Well, we need more spray cans in our house. Absolutely. Yes. Up next, the missus who's talking about whimsblog.com, street fighting mistakes, expecting bystanders to help by whim. I'm glad you brought that up because I really forgot what my article was about. So you reminded me. So I actually came across this particular blog via social media. 
And the essence behind this post is there's a video of a young man who's talking to an older woman. I mean, like much older woman, like he's in his 20s. She's probably 40 or 50. And he gets a little sassy with her. She sasses back. And then he just decks her and knocks her out. And there's all sorts of other people around and they just mm -hmm. do nothing. And his point there is that, you know, if you're expecting other people to help you out, if you find yourself in a situation like that, that it's not terribly likely that it's going to happen. And there are a lot of reasons behind that. First of all is, is that most people in this day and age don't encounter or deal with violence on a daily basis, so they aren't used to dealing with it. Second, that even if people are used to dealing with it when something like that happens, generally it takes us 30 seconds to a minute to kind of process the situation, figure out what's going on, and then come up with a response that we're going to take to that situation. Well, see, and that's fascinating, and I'm going to jump in here. It's an actual serious point and not a joke. I was watching a recent video of a shooting and it involved a police officer and a woman. It's that Tennessee thing, right? Yeah, where he tased her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at the video that I was looking at, it was exactly two seconds from zero to shooting. Uh, he had his taser out. He was tasing the woman. And two seconds later, all of the gunfire was over. And there were multiple shots. I mean, so... Things escalated extraordinarily quickly. And a, and a two-second reaction time on something like that, for someone with no preparation, I, I, I can't see that happening at all. Right. I agree. I mean, you can't expect any people to know what to do. Even if they know, even if they do get involved, they may not even be able to do anything effective because they just don't know how to fight. Several years ago, saw this horrible video. It was from Europe. Some guy uh, stabbed his ex-girlfriend, I think, to death on the street. And he, he literally knocked her on her back and was just plunging the knife repeatedly into her. I can't remember at this point if she died or not. I think she did. But people did try to intervene. It, it did take a while. And they did try to intervene, but it was just ineffective stuff. They went up and, like, kicked the guy a couple times, you know, which knocked him a little bit off balance, but not even enough to knock, knock him off of, of, of the victim. So there's that. And then, you know, the other thing is, is that, you know, a lot of times you don't know what the situation is. You may not know who the good guy or bad guy is. And frankly, I, I see a lot of self-defense teachers who uh, just flat out recommend that you don't get involved because because of that. Well, it, that's exactly the case because this is number eight in the series from WIM. And I noticed that on three of the others that preceded this in the series, one of them was, one mistake was getting involved. Another was not leaving. And a third was being an innocent bystander. So he answered the, answers the question by himself. He said, you should be gone. If you see something like this happening, you should leave. But not me. I wouldn't. And I'll tell you why. All right. Why? Because I know bird flu. Is that like hamster style? It, it's, well, first off, it's not like bird flu. It's bird flu. Okay. And it, no, it's not hamster style. But it, it's like kung fu. But... I taught, it was taught to me by a bird. I learned bird foo from Master Taekwondo. Did I screw up your delivery of that? No. <laughs> so you blew that punchline all on your own. Oh, no, it was Taekwondo. Our audience. Ew, was that was painful. Man. They're going to love that it. That was painful. Well, but okay. So, but we, we talked about knife fights earlier. And I uh, did also find out that if Alfred Hitchcock, George Lucas, Christopher Nolan, and Martin Scorsese got into a knife fight, you'd call that a director's cut. I'd say so. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's time. Is it time? For Nancy. Time 
It's time for In the Kitchen with Nancy Pelosi. Hi, everybody, and welcome to In the Kitchen with Nancy. I'm Nancy, which makes me your host. I spend a lot of my days as Speaker of the House fighting with Republicans over my party's latest grab for power. I mean, issues important to America's working class families and our democracy. So when I have a chance to unwind, I like to pour myself a glass of wine and whip up something tasty in the kitchen. Do you know what the best part of dealing with lobbyists is? That's right, free wine. Today we're going to tackle one of the toughest dishes to make, a baked Alaska. Too bad I'm currently in D.C. where weed is still illegal. But you know what's still awesome? That's right, free wine. But seriously, we're going to begin by boiling some water in a saucepan. And speaking of adding some sauce, that reminds me of the first time I went to a presidential election er, inauguration. I was stunned when the new president asked me if I wanted to dance. He looked so handsome in his tux, he even gave me a little peck on the cheek. I laughed and told him I was old enough to be his mother. He said he didn't mind. That Teddy Roosevelt sure knew how to flatter a girl. What a crazy guy. Speaking of alcohol and crazy, what's the difference between beer nuts and deer nuts? Beer nuts are $1.50 a package, while deer nuts are two under a buck. Seriously though, I've been trying to get back to religion and back to the church. I needed someone to help me reconnect with the spirits. Fortunately, my bartender was there for me just like always. Oh, I just remembered this is a cooking show. That's an important part of cooking, kids. Not to forget that you're doing it. Let's check in on our water. Oh dear, it looks like we boiled the pot dry. Speaking of which, I once tried drinking Canada dry. Then they deported me. Well, that's all for now. So grab a pint and join me next time for In the Kitchen with Nancy. Whoa, I think I'm contact drunk after listening to that. Well, all I know is that she makes Foster Brooks sound like a poser. No kidding. Now for the most lighthearted story, or maybe lightheaded story. Um, <laughs> we're off to, to Mark. Mark, take it away. This article from American Cop uh, magazine. Terminating Terrorists, the Headshot Triad. I've got to note the author's name is Bob Pilgrim. Oh, okay. And (laughs) I'm certain he got really tired of jokes like, What's your favorite music, Bob? Plymouth Rock? (laughs) He's got to be tired of that. Anyway, this one's pretty simple and basic. The the idea is, or the scenario, is that you have a, a terrorist it's a suicide terrorist with a bomb vest of some sort. He has to push a button to detonate. It's not a dead man switch or a remote detonation. It's something where he's actually has to activate it. The idea is how quick, you know, what what can you do to best make sure he doesn't detonate the bomb? Oh, um, I got one. I got one. Ready? Huh. Look at him and say, okay, boomer. <laughs> I don't think that'll work. Okay. <laughs> that would probably make him detonate the bomb. Yeah, you might get an explosive <clears throat> reaction out of that. Well, at least you'd be a good <laughs> This article suggests you shoot him in the head. And specifically the... <laughs> That's uh, a good answer. That's the best <laughs> answer ever. Shoot them in the head. <laughs> Simple. Specifically, direct. what it's talking about, though, is you need to hit him in the... 
this sort of T-shaped zone on the head. Basically, like uh, the top of the T is is a line across the eyes and then down over the nose. And the idea is that a bullet entering there would destroy the uh, medulla oblongata, if you remember that from your high school or college biology class. That's uh, the lizard part of the brain. I, I'm going to have to slow you up on this one. Okay. Now, the article also mentions shoot, shoot it at least 75 to 150 feet so you don't get exploded. And so you're saying that there's a madman yelling at me in a foreign language covered in explosives and that I should calmly and coolly be able to pick out a three square inch set of targets on his head. Ice water in your veins. With a pistol? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, well, that, that, that caught my attention too because yeah, I don't think that's possible. And frankly, there, there is debate on that. I mean, what he's describing is great if you have a rifle and a scope and you're a, a good shot. There was, um, and I'm sorry, I should have given you the article's name on this. There's a, another article, it's by uh, John Connor called The Shootdown Drill, A Fairy Tale. And that's an American handgunner. He talks in there basically that the Israelis had this idea of, yeah, you need to do that one shot stop type of thing. And it wasn't working for them. This person, I, I don't know if it was Connor himself or somebody he knew, but went over and did training with the Israelis, uh, taught them that, no, just do center mass shots, but just shoot them rapidly a lot of times. Because each time you hit them, it's going to cause a certain amount of shock that they'll have to deal with that will distract them, apparently, from pushing the detonation button. I think I personally would find the bullet quite distracting. Yes. Yeah. Well, and again, we're back to fallout again. Yeah. Well, in you know, the dealing with violence to the middle story, it's all a theme tonight. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and my thought, my thought was, is, you know, you could do a little mix, you know, you could do the Mozambique uh, drill and two in the chest, one in the head and sort of evaluate at that point. You know, I think the one thing, <clears throat> the most valuable weapon to have in a situation like that Chuck Norris. That's all you need. I think so. Oh, I was going to say good sense of humor. I... <laughs> but but, but I, I did read another article and it talked um, one, one way to protect yourself in the event of an explosive terrorist situation is to cover yourself in Charmin. That way your damage would be limited to soft tissue. <laughs> well, on that note, we'll be back next week with another edition of bombs and bands and thank you for listening i'm john i'm mark and i'm the mission take care y'all come back now you're here <laughs> <laughs>